On December 29th, President Biden signed into law H.R. 2617, another massive omnibus appropriations bill stuffed with hundreds of legislative and spending provisions. Beginning almost exactly halfway through this bill is a lengthy section devoted to what is being nicknamed Secure Act 2.0. This act builds on version 1.0 passed in 2019 and codifies several dozen changes to retirement-related law. Stay tuned as the RLS boys reveal 10 of 2.0's most important innovations and how you could use these to your financial advantage right now on the Retirement Lifestyle Show. Welcome. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show with Roshan Lungani, Eric Olson, and Adrian Nicholson. This show is an exploration of ideas to help you work toward your ideal retirement. Get ready for the financial independence of your dreams. Welcome to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. I'm your co-host, Roshan Lungani, here with Eric Olson and Adrian Nicholson. Guys, our uh, second or third episode into the, into the new year. I think we've got a great topic for today. How did how was your weekend? Did you enjoy the NFL playoffs? What did you, Adrian? Did you go to the Wizards Warriors game? I didn't make that game. Unfortunately, I had to take my dog to a checkup, so I missed that. But I definitely did watch a lot of NFL and just really enjoyed my time off. So I was really happy with that extra day off. Yeah, yeah it was nice. Eric, how about you? Oh man, rough weekend. Rough weekend. If you live in Michigan, you saw the. The Lions win, but nevertheless get knocked out of the playoffs. And if you're a diehard Vikings fan like I am, you saw once again the Vikings not be able to advance. 31 playoff games haven't been ever won a Super Bowl, have not been to the Super Bowl since 1977. I've known, I, I, I have not known my wife even as a fellow student in all that period of time. That's a long, long time. So I, it was heartbreaking, but I'm used to it. How about you? Oh God, you know I, I uh, uh, now I feel bad complaining of being a Redskins now Commanders fan who haven't won since '92. Uh, although, <laughs> so I went from uh, watching football every Sunday all day to now this is the first weekend I really watched a lot of football just because uh-huh. of my passionate hatred for their current owner, the Commanders owner. So oh. the most exciting thing for me was hearing that the team's for sale and now we've got bids out there. So I'm looking forward to a new owner and a new team next year. Oh, boy. Yeah, it'll be. Well, fun. I'll have to learn more from you about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's jump into our topic because no one listens to us for sports commentary. <laughs> I don't see why not. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, the, uh, dear listener, we have a great uh, topic today, as you may know, at the end of December. The Congress passed and the president signed into law a bill that included a number of, of subchapters. And one of those components was what has, was previously known as and is still going to be described as Secure Act 2.0. Uh, version one was passed in 2019, and uh, there had been a lot of lead up to this, a lot of bipartisan support for this, but it has substantially changed some of the rules around required minimum distributions for IRAs and for for other uh, employer-based retirement plans, as well as a host of other rules related to 
um, contributing to those plans and the way in which you can leverage some of the new rules to essentially walk away into retirement from your your career with more uh, um, assets available to you, at least spendable assets in ways that I think it's high time this happened and I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. But some of you, we just want to make sure that you don't get caught short this year, unaware of uh, some of the immediate changes that are made here in 2023. And then also so that you can prepare and look ahead to some of the other changes that will take effect in 2024 and 2025. But exciting stuff. And since it was just passed, we wanted to get this information into your hands as soon as possible. Yeah, these these are definitely huge improvements in some areas, minor improvements in other. But overall, I think it's great for the for the uh, retirement, uh, for the saver for for retirement. I'll jump into one of these strategies. So we'll go through a, a list of all of these. But I, I think we've we've all picked ones that we think are uh, useful for people right away. So I'll start off with with one I've got on my list, which is for people that are um, under 59 and a half, they've just made some exemptions to what you can withdraw. So it can be terminal illness, emergency expenses up to $1,000, um, federally declared disasters, you can take out a little bit, little bit more. One that stands out is uh, long-term care insurance. And I, I'm picking this one because I actually have a client in mind that this will apply to. I have a client who retired early in her 50s. She's got the majority of her assets in retirement in, in a in a IRA, you know, former uh, 403B that she rolled over to an IRA. And when she hits 73 now, actually 75 in her case now with, with the extension of required minimum distributions, she'll have to take out more than she needs. She actually is working part-time now, but at a much lower income. And when she hits those requirement required minimum distributions, she's going to move up a bracket. So this is a way where she can take money out. She's not going to have a penalty. She's still below 59 and a half. She can take it out, pay her long-term care insurance. It'll then be at a lower tax rate than she'll have in the future. And, um, and she'll have no penalty because you know, she's under 59 and a half, but this is a new rule. So this is one situation where I can see it impacting and helping someone out today uh, very much so. Now, just being uh, the data nerd that I am, I'm going to run it through our software to confirm that uh, it also agrees with me to make sure that, because uh, what well, we've got the counter side of this, well, how much tax deferred growth are we giving up by her taking out early uh, for this long-term care? I think it's still going to work in her in her benefit, but I will I will run the numbers. But this was one thing from the Secure Act 2.0. I thought I could use with some clients right now. Hmm. Wow, that's a great strategy, Adrian. How about Adrian, you? Adrian, how about you? Well, first, yeah, that is a really good idea. Just long term care costs can just be very expensive depending on the type of care you need. So also doing it in a tax efficient way just to save extra dollars can really pay off in the long run. So I really like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, you, you also had indicated some things that were really exciting to you in this act. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the big one. First of all, the RMD, there's changes on when you can, uh, when you're forced to take it out. And I think that's one of the most significant changes that will really impact, uh, number of people or starting in 2023 the new age now is where you have to take out your rmd is 73 
And then in 2033, that gets bumped up to age 75. So I think that's a very big change right now where you don't have to tap into that deferred savings that you built up and are forced to pay taxes on it. So that's a really big one that could really impact a lot of people's withdrawal strategies going forward. So, yeah, I just want to because sometimes people will hear numbers like this and they'll wonder what. So here, let's just let's break it down really, really simply. If you're already taking RMDs, you're already taking RMDs. So you know who you are. Okay. if you are someone, though, who was born anywhere between 1951 and 1959, your new RMD start age will be age 73. And if you were born in 1960 or later. Your new your new RMD start age will be seventy five, so that's that's huge. I think that's a, a tremendous planning opportunity because if others, uh, if some number of our clients and listeners are thinking, "Hey, I was going to be working longer than I maybe once was planning to," or "I'm enjoying it and I'm doing well with it, and I, I enjoy the income, I love the work," whatever the motivation is, that. It, the closer and closer that you had worked to that stage of where RMDs would kick in, depending on how much you already had in those IRAs, it might really limit the the window of opportunity that you had to do Roth conversions. But if you can now move that out a year, or for those of you lucky ducks who were born in 1960 or later, that uh, you can move that out to age 75, that just gives you more a greater window in which you can do some of those Roth conversions. So, um, you know, three cheers for you on that. Yeah. And, and I, w- I was even thinking, um, Eric, I love the Roth conversion strategy. I was just even thinking the basics of, well, now you can defer it for for a few more years. And you think about it, mm-hmm. it was, I don't know when it, the IRA withdrawal rules started at 70 uh, and a half, right? The RMD rules, but mm-hmm. it got bumped to 72 in 2019 and now 73 and then 75. So I think, uh, uh, yeah, Congress has made some good progress in a short time frame by pushing that out. With people living much longer, it, it makes a lot of sense to to do that. So I mm-hmm. I think that's a great addition, a welcome one, and one that was that was uh, needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And giving more people time to manage those tax brackets out there. If you're going to be hit with a heavy RMD this year and you're making a lot of money, as far as your distributions, whatever have it having that extra year to just delay it and plan so you're not hit with a big tax bill can also go a long way. And also baked into this as well with the RMDs is the changes with the penalty that are very significant, Mm. where if you fail to take your RMD, you used to get hit with a 50% penalty on the RMD amount. Now that has moved down to 25%. So that's a very big change. And if you forgot to take your RMD and you correct this and you fix your tax returns, you'll, you might be looking at only a 10% penalty on that amount. So that can definitely save you in the long run if you need to make those changes or corrections. Yeah. I mean, softening that from 50 to 25 and potentially to 10 if you follow a certain procedure, that's huge. Yeah, that was one of the I, I I can't think of a worse tax penalty than that fifty percent one. So <laughs> right, it, it it is a a big improvement for those out there. I have clients that this in the past would have would have impacted. Fortunately, we've got them taking their RMDs and we and we track it. But if you've missed a required minimum distribution, that's something that you can use uh, 
literally right now because it said it's effective after 20, December 29th, 2022. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's definitely yeah. an improvement. There is a lot of substantive stuff in here, but I, since our listeners tend, um, most of them to be more on the affluent segment of society, I thought there were a few um, provisions in this bill that will be of particular interest to our listeners. And one of those has to do, believe it or not, with the utilization of 529 plans, you know, the plans that you use to help fund your kiddos and your grandkiddos uh, college educations, or for that matter, actually even now pre-college educations, if you wish to. But now you can also use that in a creative way to help your uh, those youngsters get a big jump on saving for retirement. Let me tell you how this works. And I'm going to give credit where credit is due on this. This is uh, Michael Kitzes. So Kitzes is K-I-T. Uh, CES. He is sort of like the um, the advisor to advisors, if you will. One of the one of the students of the the um, uh, of ad- more advanced planning topics that a lot of us um, pay attention to. So here, you, first of all, let's just un- re- recall how a five twenty nine plan works. You're as a parent or a grandparent, for that matter, making contributions into a five twenty nine plan for some. Um, pre-college student. And then you, in the year in which you put that in, you don't get a federal tax deduction for that, but you do in many states, if your state has an income tax, you do at the state level, if you use the state plan, get a tax deduction for that. But the key thing is, is that you, it grows tax deferred. And when you pull it out to use it for education, if it's a qualified educational expense, you don't have to pay taxes on either what you put in or, or more importantly, in this case on the growth. So it's that's a nice tax advantaged way to fund an education. But what happens if one of several things happens the, uh, with that child? You st- they were maybe, you know, a youngster when you started funding that plan. And as time progresses, you they, they reveal more about who they are. Maybe they're just not really inclined to go to college. It's just that's just not their thing. And now you've got this stash of money. It's sitting around, do you redirect it to a different grandchild or what do you do with it Uh, or to a different child or grandchild? Or perhaps on the other end of the spectrum, they're really keenly um, academic and so much so that either or or they have other uh, merit based success in sports or whatever the case might be. And they wind up with some big scholarships. And now your funding in that 529 plan is redundant or they choose to go to a much less expensive school than you had been planning that they to, to make possible for them to attend or any number of factors. But whatever it leads to that you have this expectation of an excess amount in your 529, what have you had to do with that excess now? Well, you've sadly had to say, well, I'm glad not so, so sadly. I'm glad that that student is already well-funded and that this is excess, but what do I do with it now? Well, you could redirect it as a new beneficiary, maybe another child or grandchild. You could redirect it to yourself and go get golf lessons or something like that at an accredited school and, and have some fun with that. But in many cases, you would just say, hey, the student was had all these scholarships and now it's it's excess, and then they would let you take it out, but with with tax in this instance on the growth. Wow. Secure Act 2.0 has addressed that. Guys, you want to talk about the the new solution? Well, I mean, this could be a lifetime 
uh, literally of tax-free growth, right? Tax-deferred growth with tax-free withdrawals. If, uh, Eric, as you had discussed uh, earlier while we were preparing for this, setting up that 529 for a newborn, putting money into it, and then as they then you know, really not using it for college, then as they start earning income, flipping it that into a Roth IRA, which you're not required to take money out of. So you could have that growth start at birth and be tax-free growth, tax-deferred growth, excuse me, with tax-free withdrawals for a lifetime. Yeah. Listener, get that. Just, just key in on what Roshan said there. The new provision is that now you have a new option. The new option is that whoever is the named beneficiary of that 529, you can now open a Roth IRA for that same beneficiary and uh, provided, of course, that they have earned income to justify having contributions into a Roth. You can now fund those contributions into that Roth for that beneficiary directly from the 529 and not incur any taxes in doing so. So on that basis, just think about this. There's a there's a provision. It has to be at least a 15-year-old 529. So just follow this. And I'm going to use the example of one of my relatives who recently had twin sons. And I'm the uh, uh, you know uh, parent of these twin sons. I'm not talking to you. Grandparents of these twin sons, I'm not talking to you as specifically. I'm using your circumstance as, a, as an example. Were the parents and or grandparents or some combination thereof to say, hey, let's put a bunch of money into the 529 for these newborns and wait until they've hit that 15th birthday and then a little bit more. Now that each of their 529 plans is, has met the 15-year-old test. And if it's at that point evident that they're overfunded for any variety of reasons, maybe because they were deliberately overfunded, now if those kids are, let's say, I don't know, washing cars or work, you know, work delivering papers or working in in a fast food restaurant or whatever it might be enough to generate those earnings, even at that tender age of 15 and a half or 16 or whatever, you could be moving um, up to the limit of their earnings. Today, $6,500, just to use a, a current reference, and that'll inf- increase with inflation. You can move money from that 529 directly into their Roth. Think about that. By the way, the limits on this is 35000 in today's money. I imagine that'll also be indexed for inflation. But imagine somebody who's 20 years old who has now already 35000 in a Roth IRA and um, 20, or, you know, 20 or 22 or whatever. And, and, now that's just growing and growing for the next 40, 45, 50 years on a tax-free basis. And they'll be able eventually to take that out on a tax-free basis. Depending on you know what the future markets are like, that child could be set up extremely well for a big portion of their future of their future retirement needs. Huge. That's huge. And uh, Eric, I'm sure you mentioned this. I just want to mention it again. That the plan's got to be open for 15 years before you can mm-hmm. you can do that. Just because uh, I don't want someone thinking, "Hey, I can put in a 529 now, move it into get a state tax deduction, and move it into the Roth right away." So the uh, uh, Congress did think of that move and said it's got to be open 15 years. Yeah, mm-hmm. still a yeah, great strategy. A point. Yeah, it is a great strategy too, and it also opens you up more to the world of investments too. Where if you move this 529, that typically invest in mutual funds. When you move it over to Roth IRA, you might also have 
some other options to where you're going to invest it. And again, this is something where you're going to earmark this for a long period of time. And we know everybody's financial situation is different. Like every episode, just consult with a professional. If you have any questions, we're also available. So just having that earmarked for later on down the road and have these investments grow tax-free is just very powerful. And it's just something that you really want to take advantage of how you structure your investments if you're trying to really knock it out of the park with this account and withdraw this tax-free growth. So it's a really great idea. Thanks for sharing that, Eric. Oh, you bet. And Adrian, I just want to build on one point that you made there too. So you, you said you, you should seek somebody out to have a conversation about this because I, we don't want you listener, uh, dear listener, thinking in any way whatsoever that this is now a universal recommendation that we're making to everybody to go start doing this because it will depend on a lot of other circumstances. But simply just making you aware of the fact that this new provision now exists, I think it will over the course of the next six to 12 to 18 months, I'm sure there will be a lot of other creative thinking about how to put this, uh, put this provision to use in really very powerful ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually on the same page as both of you and saying, consult with uh, an advisor. This is not advice. We're just giving you some ideas. Uh, I'll, I'm going to move on to another one I thought was uh, was an interesting uh, change, a positive change, is uh, regarding uh, retirement accounts, uh, employer retirement accounts and Roth, IR, Roth, Roth accounts in general. So now if you're a small business owner uh, and whether it's on your own or with you, whether you've got employees, you can now do a Roth account for uh, a SEP IRA, which is a simplified employee pension plan, uh, and simple IRAs. In addition to that, a Roth change that I thought was a, a big one is a lot of people will have Roth accounts, Roth 401ks, or I have government clients, Roth TSPs, uh, Roth 403bs. And when they hit uh, the age for required minimum distributions, if it was still with that employer, they had to take a required minimum distribution from there. What made that so interesting is that if you have a Roth IRA, there's no required minimum distribution at all. Well, they just lined up those rules to where now, if you've got a Roth account with your employer, you do not need to, to, to subject the dollars in that account to required minimum distribution rules. Yeah, uh, there's, so yeah, thinking about the, the Roth the strengthening of Roth options within employer retirement plans. This is true, whether it's a 401k, 403b, 457, you have now the option of if you're, if you're in this, this number that I'm about to cite to you will also, I'm sure be indexed for inflation. But as it currently stands, if your wages are under one, uh, restate that. If your wages are over $145,000 a year, then any catch-up contributions that you do in your in your 401k or other retirement a workplace plan, those catch-up contributions now may not be made to the pre-tax side. They they must be made to the Roth side. That's that's not a bad thing <laughs> to have that sort of to still be have a provision here that will build that tax-free part of your overall portfolio. But the good news is. That if your wages are under that one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars, then you'll you'll have the option to do that with any catch-up contributions that you're making. So just to put some numbers to that, currently the max that you can fund if you're under age fifty 
is 22,500. That's for calendar year 2023, 22,500. If you're 50 or older in the current year, then you're able to add to that an extra 7,500, bringing the total to $30,000. Well, now th- this provision takes place in 2024, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, uh, we're, we, by the way, we're just catching up with a lot of the facts around this, dear listeners. So if we have some of the years that are just a little bit off, I ask for your, your forbearance on some of that. But I believe this provision takes effect in 2024 to give employers a chance to do some revisions to their plan documents and such. But at that point, then just think of that. If you're in a position to do catch-ups, you could say, yeah, I'll do the catch-up and I'll put 7,500 of that into the, the Roth component and elect to do that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it, it really is. There, there are uh, a lot of good improvements that, they, that they've made, but that Roth one, that is that all the improvements of the Roth are really going to be helpful to retire to people, retirees, savers, et cetera. And I'm going to put a cherry on that since we're still talking about the 401ks in that world. What if your employer is making matching contributions to your contributions, which almost all employers do do that in a 401k, at least if they have a, what's known as a safe harbor structure. So that um, matching contribution from your employer, you now also have the option of saying, I want that match to be in the Roth component of my account, meaning you'll be taxed on that as income and and that'll be added to your your taxable income. But nevertheless, that match now will land in that tax-free component, the Roth component of your 401k, and you'll never owe taxes on that money again. That's another good one. And I can definitely maybe see a few viewers saying, hey, Eric, you know, Right now, I'm not really in a position to really contribute to my employer retirement account right now and really get that match because I have student loan debt. And I really need to prioritize paying that down first before I start thinking about my retirement. Well, the Secure, the Secure Act 2.0 is came out with something that's really interesting where in 2024, if you have student loan debt and you're paying that down, your employer can make matching contributions to what you're paying to your student loan debt to earn a retirement account for you. So that is something that's really significant for people right now that have student loan debt, where they're not only paying down their debt, but their employer is also paying money into a retirement account for them. So that's a win-win situation for anybody out there that's still paying student loans right now, and they want to start saving money for their retirement through their employer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. I was just at this morning talking with my son-in-law about um, friends, uh, you know, their peers, many of whom are still paying down student loans and just what a burden that is. And um, wow, this provision making it possible for employers to help with some of that, that make, that's just beautiful. It is great. And it's definitely going to take some employers sometimes to work this into their HR system. So this is just something for you to look into more just to see when this will apply to you, whatever your situation may be starting in 2024. So Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting opportunity out there for some people in this situation. That's a good one. I, I've got another one I'll, I'll share with you that, that seems like good improvements to uh, IRAs with, with, with withdrawals. I think the government's starting to give people the opportunity to take money out uh, of, 
IRAs and 401ks and avoid the penalty for certain situations. One is hardship, but now the employee employee deems the hardship. Uh, the second is if there are emergency expenses up to a thousand dollars. Another new one is uh, people who are uh, victims of domestic abuse can take out up to ten thousand dollars or fifty percent of the fifty percent of the account. I'm surprised this wasn't already in there, but terminal illness it was not subject to the ten percent early distribution uh, penalty. I was surprised that wasn't part of the previous SECURE Act, but apparently it wasn't. And then finally, federally declared disasters, uh, you can take out up to 22000 without having to, um, uh, from an IRA employer plan, without having to be subject to the penalty. So those are a few cases where you know, I think some of those just should have been in there just from a perspective of being compassionate to people who are, who have fallen on hard times. And I think they've uh, responded with some of these options available. I mean, imagine some, you know, with the disaster, imagine being forced to take money out of a retirement account because of this uh, disaster and you're then hit with the penalty, right, from the government. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a, another good uh, change or addition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, any other provision? I mean, there's this, as you identified, Roshan, they're, they're, the documentation around all this is pages and pages and pages long. I think I, I downloaded the act, and if I'm not mistaken, it was 22 pages of material uh, to, got, to wade through. So um, I, what I would say, at least from my vantage point, is I know we're going to be touching on these topics with our clients as we get our arms around them more fully. But um, one last one that I personally want to make sure that I highlight is for those of our clients that are are charitably minded, you've heard us talk about one of the best tools going for funding uh, charitable giving beyond age 70 and a half. And that is to use qualified charitable distributions, meaning payments made not from your IRA, then into your checking account, you pay taxes on those, then you write a check to your favorite charities, and you have to then itemize those those gifts and hope that they surmount whatever is the uh, threshold of your standard deduction to actually do you any good. Instead, with the Qualified Charitable Distribution, or QCD, what you're able to do is have that custodian who holds your IRA make a contribution to certain 501c3s directly, and then it becomes, in effect, a gift that doesn't need to be either reported as income nor itemized. To, and in, in effect, what it's done over the long, you know, the 20 or 30 year uh, lifespan of that dollar that finally landed in that, the hands of that 501c3 is that you put it into the 401k plan or IRA, on a tax deferred basis, meaning you got a tax benefit then, then it grew tax deferred. That was a tax benefit to you. And then you were able to take it out of the IRA and have it go into the hands of the charitable organization. And it didn't, in, you didn't in, in, incur any tax in that event. Well, that's triple tax. That's tri triple tax free. If you ask me yeah. tax free on the front end, tax free as it grows tax free on the outcome. That's the best possible thing. Well, some of you are, are not going to find this limit change all that meaningful, but some of you as listeners will. That now, after being stuck at $100,000 per year forever, 
has now been raised and it will be indexed to inflation. So for some of you have these multi-million dollar IRAs and that's what you're doing with that money is you're funding your charitable giving out of that. Hey, three cheers for you. That's open the window even further for you to express that charitable intention in a way that will do you even more tax good. That is definitely a good one. I'll get, I'll share one last one I found interesting uh, as well. And Adrian, feel free if you have a last one as well. Uh, but um, they're going to create a retirement savings lost and found by they, I mean, the Department of Labor. Mm. They'll create a database. Now, I mentioned that because I ha- I'm, have you had a client before say, I worked at a small, for my situation, I've seen multiple times. I worked at this one firm. I was only there a couple of years and I'm pretty sure I had a retirement account, but I have no idea what it is. And in one of these scenarios that I've got for a client, we actually know where it is, but they need the HR department to sign off on it. But that company has shrunk so much, they don't have an HR department anymore. So we can't get anyone to sign off on it. So in that case, we know where it is and this won't help us. But at the first step, when we were trying to find it, this would have this would have been very helpful. Eventually, we found it by hunting a lot, and uh, we actually even called a few places, but they'd moved the four hundred one k. Eventually, we found it. So this database would have made it easier in that client's case to know exactly where it was. But I have had multiple times people say, "Well, I had an old retirement plan. I don't remember where it is." Well, this database will will solve it. Now, I was not able to find when this database will be active. But uh, the fact that there are plans to be one is an improvement from before when you just had to figure it out on your own. Oh, man, you're telling that story, Roshan. <laughs> Last year, I spent probably 10, maybe 15 hours on the phones in, jo- in joint calls with my client mm-hmm. to various 401k plans uh, through a series of smaller companies that this, uh, this fellow's career had taken him through, trying to track down. 2,000 here, 5,000 there, 15,000 there, you know, the, to total up to maybe twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. It was a lot of work. I would have been so relieved if they'd had the lost and found in place. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I like that. That's an improvement that'll be helpful to, to almost everyone. I think. Hmm. Any closing thoughts, uh, Adrian, anything to, to add, Eric, either of you? I mean, I like the list we came up with today. It's showing a lot of good changes out there for people trying to save for retirement or just really just trying to increase their value, whatever it may be. So just really diving in and seeing which ones apply to you can really help out. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say to our listeners, give your advisor, if you have an advisor, some time to digest all of this, just as we're digesting all of this. Um, and But but do bring your circumstance uh, into a conversation with that advisor so that you hopefully can think through ways in which you can take advantage of some of these new provisions in a way that will really benefit you. We know that Many of you have advisors, though, that are maybe purely investment focused and not really thinking about planning or they don't have a rigorous approach to how they they think about optimizing these tax related decisions. If that's the case, um, this is what we do day in and day out is help clients with um, the full gamut of these planning decisions. And we'd be delighted to have a conversation with you. That's not going to commit you to anything, but you can find our contact information in the show notes and at the bottom of the homepage of our, of our website for the show, retirementlifestyleshow.com. That's pretty easy to find, isn't it? Retirementlifestyleshow.com. Just reach out to us and set a time to 
to talk with us and we can go through some of the uh, preliminaries and find out more about what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And if we can perhaps be of help to you, we'd love to do that. Yeah, we are definitely here here to help. Uh, Eric mentioned that it was a, um, uh, I think you said a twenty page um, document you had downloaded. I actually downloaded a summary, which was nine pages. But there is a okay. lot that we did not cover that may apply to mm-hmm. your unique situation, and we are we are here to help. Uh, thank you for listening. This has been the Retirement Lifestyle Show. We'll be back next week with a, another action packed episode. Schedule a conversation with Roshan, Adrian, or Eric today at retirementlifestyleshow.com. Roshan and Eric are certified financial planner practitioners. They, along with Adrian, are investment advisor representatives and serve clients across the U.S. with financial planning and investment advice through RTA Wealth. If you found this show helpful, gain knowledge, or enjoy the time you spent with us, tell your friends and leave us a five-star review. This will help others discover the show. To access our show notes, to download any of the tools mentioned in today's podcast, to ask us a question or to schedule a conversation, go to retirementlifestyleshow.com. All opinions expressed by podcast hosts and guests are solely their own. While based on information they believe is reliable, neither Arate Wealth nor its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, nor do their opinions reflect the opinion of Arate Wealth. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be regarded as specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. The show hosts offer investment advice through Arte Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor, and securities through Arte Wealth Management, LLC, member FEMRA, SIPC, and NFA. Finally, our music is The Chance by Jason Shaw in Audionautics. It's part of the YouTube Audio Library and it's licensed under a Creative Commons license. I am Ray Voices. Thank you for listening.